Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. It's good to be back. Thank you for allowing me to go on vacation the last few weeks. Hopefully, uh, you've enjoyed uh, the speakers that were here, and I've really appreciated them filling in for me. Um, today, we are starting a new series. It's a continuation of what we, uh, our overall long-range goals. We moved through uh, the New Testament. We started in Matthew, went to Mark, but we're going to switch up Luke and John. And the reason for that is that we're going to end up at the, probably by the end of January, finishing up the book of Acts. And Luke wrote the book of Acts, and so we're going to take Luke and Acts together as one narrative. Okay, so we're going to come, take a look at John's uh, account of the gospel. And in the book of John, John's got five major themes. But of those five themes, there's one that is most important, I guess you say, most critical. And it's very much related to the reason why he wrote a fourth account of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. He wrote at the request of the Ephesian church leaders because at the time there was a heresy going around that Jesus was merely a man. He was just a good man. Yeah, he had some good teaching. He helped some people, did some miracles, but he's nothing more than that. And so the early church leaders, they said, John, as an apostle, as a close friend of Jesus, would you please address this, this issue and write a fourth account of Jesus' life specifically aimed at showing that Jesus was more than a man. And so we're going to look through this uh, over the course of the next five weeks, seeing that he's the Son of God, the source of eternal life, the sender of the Spirit, and the Savior of the world. And so the, the biggest question for you and I is, well, what do we believe about Jesus? Was he merely a man or is he more than a man? Okay, because today this same heresy is still floating around in various forms. Um, you have like the Mormons who believe that Jesus is equality with the Father, his divinity is, is false. You have Jehovah's Witnesses saying that, that Jesus is not God and all sorts of crazy ideology about that and even going so far as to uh, totally rewriting scriptures uh, of which the biblical scholars say that is an absolutely uh, inherent, or excuse me, uh, an absolutely tr uh, awful translation. That's just a plain way to say it. Uh, and then you have non-Christian religions like Islam uh, who believe Jesus was a great teacher but certainly not the son of God. Uh, you've got Judaism uh, who believes very much the same thing, if that, okay? Uh, and then you have Hindus, Buddhists, and uh, Confucianism, all these sorts of world religions that acknowledge him as a great teacher, but he was merely a man, okay? Merely a man. And so John wrote uh, to prove and to show that Jesus was, in fact, more than a man. And so as we look through these four things and then ask ourselves, well, what do we really believe about this? We're going to be, be challenged to take a stand one way or another if we haven't already. And so as we look at this first sermon, talking about Jesus being the Son of God, immediately what came to my mind was this idea uh, of the resemblance, both the physical, uh, a physical resemblance and a temperamental resemblance that sons and fathers have or children and their parents. So take a look at a couple of these pictures 
tell me if these guys do not look extremely similar. I mean, I found these pictures I'm looking at. This is uncanny. Just keep flipping through. Keep flipping through. Oh, yeah. That's like a Sunday afternoon right there. Oh, yeah. Look at this guy. And so, you know, it's true. We share some uh, physical resemblance and temperamental resemblance with our parents, with our fathers, for instance. Here's my son, Hudson. This is a couple years ago. And you could see there's some resemblance there. He was actually born with red hair. And after a couple months, God had favor on him and it turned blonde. Okay. And so I, as a guy who grew up, who grew up, I had the freckles, the braces, the uh, burnt orange hair. I, I'm thankful he, he went blonde like that. But middle school was rough, to say the least, for me. Um, but my son Hudson, we share, obviously share some physical resemblance. We also share some temperamental resemblance. You know, he's, he's a typical middle school guy, so I'm like on him about, you know, pick up your stuff. Can you shut the door? Can you do this? Can you do that? Take a shower for crying out loud, you know? <laughs> and, and so I'll find, like after I kind of get on him a little bit, about an hour later, I'll hear him getting on his younger brother for much the same things. Can you pick up your stuff? Shut your door. You know what? Are we born in a bar? You know, he'll be on his younger siblings for the exact same things that I'm on. And it's kind of revealing. I'm kind of checked sometimes in my spirit, like, oh man, maybe I'm being a little too, too hard on him. How many of you know what I'm talking about though? Yeah, absolutely. And you, and if you had a picture of your, one of your parents, or maybe more specifically your father, you'd look and you'd say, ah, oh, there's some physical resemblance, if not also some, some temperamental resemblance. Maybe you, like me, uh, uh, inherited uh, some impatience from, from your father. I, I, when I was younger, like my dad, when he was younger, I had an impatient streak in me. And as uh, I've grown older, the Lord has done a work in my life, just as he did with my own father. And so I'm sure as you think about you and your parents and you think, wow, yeah, I'm kind of like them, you know. In fact, you, probably if somebody knew you and, and, and they came up to you and they also kind of knew your dad, but they didn't know that you were related, they would go, hmm, you, know, you remind me of somebody. You sound like somebody. Have you ever had somebody do that, especially on the phone? You know, you call somebody and you think you're talking to the adult, but you're actually talking to the child. And you're like, oh, sorry, you know, you, you, can, is your mom there? Is your dad there? Have you ever had that happen before? Yeah, absolutely. And so somebody who doesn't know you but knows or doesn't know that you're related, they go, hmm, you remind me of somebody. You, you sound like, and are you by happen, relate, a chance related to so-and-so? Oh, yeah, that's my dad. Oh, that's my mom. And you're like, oh, I knew it. I knew it. You, you sound like them. You walk like them. You talk like them. You have this, this way about you, and you remind me uh, of your parents. And so that idea is very much uh, true in Jesus's case, except that you know, you and I somewhat resemble our parents. We have a little bit of our dad, a little bit of our mom. We have some of their temperament, but not all of it. Some of their characteristics and whatnot, but not all of it. But it, with Jesus's case, as far as it was concerned, his relationship with the heavenly father, with God the father, as we'll learn today from John and the author of Hebrews, that Jesus 100% reflected the character in the glory of God. In fact, he goes so far as to say, if you see me, you have seen the Father. And this, what that means for us, and I'll come back to it at the end, 
is that when we express faith that Jesus is more than a man, we become part of God's family. We become adopted as sons and daughters of God. We're right there, brothers and sisters with Christ. And then when we go into the world, people should look at us and say, hmm, you, you kind of remind me of somebody. You know, this love, this, this faithfulness, this, just the way you treat people. Hmm, who does that remind me of? Oh, yeah, God. You know, they should, they should look at us and see the Father's heart in our own lives. They should see his work ethic. They should see his patience and his kindness in us. And so that's my sermon in a nutshell. Let's take a look in the book of John, John chapter 1. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If you need a Bible, just slip a hand up really quick. I'm sure that uh, Charlie wouldn't mind bringing you a, a Bible. We have plenty of them. And if you don't have one of your own, just keep it. Keep it as a gift from Cornerstone Church. So I'm reading from John chapter 1, and we're going to kind of just move through these verses all the way up to 18. Let's start there. It says, John says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So as we start in and we're thinking about Jesus being more than a man, being the Son of God, the very first thing that John says, okay, is he gives us this, it's not, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, it's unconventional, it's something that might catch you off guard. I, when I read this, the first thing that came to mind is, why did he call Jesus the word? Why didn't he just use Jesus' name? Like in the beginning, Jesus already existed, Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God, and so forth, right? Why did he use this, this phrase, the word, to describe Jesus? Well, again, remember why he writes. Why is he writing this this gospel account. This is a fourth account. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they've already written their accounts. Why would he write and why would he start this fourth account in such a, in such a different way? Well, he was trying to show, first and foremost, that Jesus was more than a man, that Jesus was uh, the very expression, the tangible discernible expression of God in this physical world. Remember, God the Father is a spirit, and obviously the Holy Spirit's a spirit, right? It's right in his name. And so you have Jesus Christ, who is the visible, tangible expression of God, so much so that he says, God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The thoughts, the feelings, the desires of the Father were expressed through Jesus, the creative power was expressed through Jesus, and through, it, and through him, everything received life. And so we have to kind of look back and think about Genesis 1 and 2 a little differently, because when it says, in the beginning, God created this and this and that, and he formed Adam out of the dust, breathed life into him, took a rib, made Eve, and all this stuff, right? We have to picture Jesus being right there doing that. When the Bible says that God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, who do you think was doing the walking? It was Jesus. They didn't know him as Jesus Christ, but we, they, he was a pre-incarnate 
Jesus. Several times through the Old Testament, you will find the Lord appearing. They'll often refer uh, to Jesus in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord. This visible, tangible manifestation, this person that we now know as Jesus Christ would appear and he would talk to people, right? And so we see in this three-dimensional physical world, Jesus Christ is the Word. He is the expression of the thoughts and feelings and desires of God the Father. And so Jesus, John is writing to say, listen, he is not just a man. He is not just a good teacher. He is one part of the one true God. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. And so the second question that came to me is why does John take kind of an indirect start to his account of the gospel? I mean, when you get into Matthew and Luke, you see he kind of starts with these genealogies and he traces it basically starting from Jesus's birth, conception even, all right, in birth, physical birth. But uh, in Mark, he skips all that. And he just gets right into Jesus' adulthood and to his ministry. But John, he doesn't take that approach. He goes way back. He goes back before creation. Why? Because he's trying to prove that Jesus is more than a man. Look what he says again. He says, in the beginning, Jesus already existed. He was with God and he was God. He existed in the beginning with God. He was always there. And skip up, if you will, please, in John chapter 1. Go to verse 14. Or go to verse 10, actually. He says, Jesus came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. Go to verse 14. So the word became human and made his home among us. And so how does what John is saying change how we think about Christmas? Oftentimes we think of Christmas as being the beginning of Jesus' existence, that he, he began with the Immaculate Conception and with his physical birth, Jesus came into the world and there, that was the beginning of his life. But John is saying, no, no, he didn't have a start like every other man and woman did. He is more than a man. He has always existed. And so when you think about the conception and birth of Jesus Christ, you have to think of it more like a transition than a beginning. Paul writes in Philippians that Jesus emptied himself of all of the, the privileges and, and things that came with, with being the glorified Son of God. He emptied himself of that. He transitioned, John says, the Word became human. He was God in a bod, right? He emptied himself. He became, he subjected himself to all the same things that you and I go through, okay? He got sick. He got bug bites. He had to get up in the middle of the night three times to use the restroom. You know what I mean? He had these issues just like you and I do. He subjected himself to all the things that humanity did, and yet he retained his divinity. He remained the Son of God despite those physical limitations that he subjected himself to. And so John, again, coming back and saying, listen, he is more than a man. He is the Son of God. Now, how many of you are following me so far? Amen. So, 
we have to come back to this second thought that we started. We started by looking at pictures of dads with their sons, and I talked about Hudson and I, and how we somewhat resemble one another, both physically and temperamentally. But Jesus 100% reflected the glory and the character of God. Let's see how John shows that. Remember, he's trying to show that Jesus was more than a man, that he was the Son of God. Go to John 14 with me, please. While you're turning there, let me just share a, a joke I found about dads and the love that their sons have for them. There was a dad who took his son to the zoo. Anybody like to go to the zoo now and again? I like the zoo. And like this dad and son, they, they like the exhibits with the big cats. I'm a huge fan of cats, okay, especially big cats. Right? That's part of the reason why I love cats a whole lot more than dogs. Put a tiger and a dog together. Anyways, you know that the cat's going to chew them up. That's why I like cats. Anyways, I'm off topic here. They went to the zoo. They went to the exhibit with the big cats, and the dad is telling his son, man, these tigers are so ferocious. Man, they just, they're so strong in their teeth and all this stuff. And the son gets thinking, and he says, Dad, if the tigers got out and ate you up, and at that, the son, you know, he's like, oh, ready to console his son. Yes, son. And he's just feeling that love. And his son looks up and says, which bus would I take home? <laughs> Thank you, son. I love you, too. I love you, too. Great, great thought. Great thought. Yes. Well, anyways, looking at John chapter 14, Jesus being the representation, the visible, discernible uh, expression of God the Father in this physical world, we see uh, Philip. Go to verse 8. Philip is one of Jesus' disciples, and he just says, Lord, show us the Father. You can almost hear some wine in, in, in this. Show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. We'll leave you alone. We won't ask you about this anymore. And Jesus replied, verse 9, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still do not know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Look, there's an exclamation point there. There's some emphasis. He's saying, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. When you look at me, you see the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me? The words I speak, they're not my own. But my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. And so Jesus is saying, listen, this is who I am as the word. I am more than a man. I am the visible, discernible expression of God in this world. And when you see me, you just don't see me, this second person in the Trinity. You see the Father. You hear the Father. I'm, the, act, the attitudes and actions that I have, those are the Father's 100%. You and I, we only somewhat resemble our parents. But Jesus, he 100% reflected the Father's glory and character. The author of Hebrews says as much. Would you keep a, uh, maybe keep a finger there for a second. Go to Hebrews chapter 1. And as you turn there, I want to point out, first of all, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. But as I read through this again, I just, I, I looked at this and I thought, man, this sounds a whole like whole lot like John chapter 1. There's, I don't know if John wrote this. No one really knows who did. But whoever wrote this, 
Might, maybe they read John's gospel. Maybe they started the same way. But I want you to notice that as we read through John, uh, Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. Look what he says. He says, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. Does that sound familiar? Back to John 1.1. 1, 1. That's exactly what John said. Here's what, what we're going at. Remember John 14, if you keep your finger there. Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Now look, Hebrews 1.3. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. We read about Jesus, when he was walking the earth, there was a time he went up to the mount. We call it the transfiguration. And he, what? Shone brilliantly like he did before he was born. The disciples that were there, they covered their eyes. It was so brilliant, they couldn't even look at him. He shone with the Father's glory. And they heard a voice, and then in an instant it was, was done. Right? Blinding. They probably had spots in their eyes. And they got a, a glimpse of the glory that Jesus had prior to being born. And we see that now. We even read in Revelation that after Jesus rose from the grave and now he ascended to heaven, in Re Revelation at the end of time, when uh, the new Jerusalem comes, we read there is no sun needed in that great city. Why? Because the sun's radiance will enlighten it. We won't even need lights. The sun's glory will be so powerful. It will illuminate the entire city. And so the sun radiates God's own glory and what? Expresses the very character of God. And so we come back to John and we see exactly what John said in, one, uh, in that first chapter, that he is the word. He is the visible, discernible expression of God in this world. You and I, we may only partly resemble our parents, but Jesus perfectly resembled his heavenly Father. And so, I'm thinking you are getting the idea. You're following me, right? Because I think I've said the same thing about four times now. All right? I'm trying to get it home. I want you to go back to John chapter 1, because as we wrap up here, I want to ask the question, so this is great. You know, what, what, is, but what does this mean for you? What does this mean for you? Okay. Well, first of all, we think at that, that final question is through this series, what do you believe about Jesus? That's the first question. Do you believe that he was more than a man? Do you believe, like John did and the author of Hebrews, that he was more than a man, that he was the Son of God, the very expression of God in this world? If you believe that, then look what John says. Go to John 1. And go to verse 12. Go to verse 12. Look what John writes. But to all who believe in Jesus and accept him, Jesus gave the right to become what? The children of God. And so it's by faith in Christ, believing that he was more than a man, believing that he is the Son of God, that we, you and I, become children of God as well. And so that we 
Paul says we can call Jesus our brother. He calls us his brothers and sisters. We become adopted into God's family. We become one of his special people. We are chosen. God puts his seal upon us, gives us his Holy Spirit, and begins changing us. And so as the children of God, don't you think that you and I should, just like we resemble our physical parents in uh, characteristics and and temperament, don't you think we should also resemble our spiritual father, our heavenly father, his character, his traits? How many of you think so? Amen. Amen. And so this week, I'm challenging each one of us to think, Lord, how can I better express your character? Paul says that you and I, we shine like stars in a spiritually dark world. We shine with the glory of God. When we go to work, how cool would it be if the people look at us and there's a glow about us and there's something different about us and they just say, man, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it is about you, but talk to me. You're like, you glow. You you have this, this air about you that others do not have. How many of you would like that testimony? I would like that testimony. And so this week I challenge each one of us as children of God, as people who believe he is more than a man, that he was the son of God, that we would begin just to seek the Lord and ask him to better and more clearly reflect his character and glory in his life, in our lives. Look at uh, what he says in verse 13 as we wrap up here. They are reborn. That's you and I, people who believe Jesus was more than a man. Not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Skip down to verse 16. And from his abundance, from Jesus, meaning, we have all received one gracious blessing after another, one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ You know, when I read that, I thought of all the things he could have mentioned, God's justice and power. And there's a whole lot of us that would really like to see God's justice, wouldn't we? We'd like to see him come down and set some people straight, doggone it, right? We're like, where is your justice in this, you know? In fact, I heard a quote, and I'm not going to be able to quote it. Uh, I didn't write it down. But he was talking about how that when, when good people suffer and bad people prosper, when the wicked prosper, that has led more people into uh, an unbelief than anything else, right? And, and we all, we struggle with that. I think Ravi Zacharias mentioned that. I was listening to his podcast the other day. And, you know, uh, we would love to see God's justice. We would love to see God come and, and set things straight, uh, and, and see people get what they deserve. And yet, that's not what John, John writes. What about God's power? Some of you are holding on for a miracle in your life. You're waiting for God to express his power, whether it be a healing or restoration of a marriage or bring some fruit into something you've been pouring your life into and you're waiting. Why didn't he say that? Of all the things John could have, write, could have written, what does he say? God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus. Of all the things that Jesus showed us, he showed us that God's love never, ever fails. 
And I don't know where you're at or what you're going through, but I want you to know that God's love will never fail you. He will never fail you. Nothing can separate you from God's love. And so if you're in a tight spot or you're questioning whether or not God's love, God loves you, I, I challenge you to take a hold of this verse and pray through that this week because he says that God loves you in an unfailing way. And what else? He's faithful. He's faithful. What did Paul say? You may be unfaithful, but God's faithfulness remains. You and I, we are going to break a promise now and again. But does God ever break a promise? No. Never once is he unfaithful to us. John concludes, as we will today, he says, no one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God, not God the Father, but the unique one, speaking of Jesus, who is himself God. There it is again. Is near to the Father's heart, and he has revealed God to us. And so when we read in John's account, and we see Jesus in action, we re- see his attitudes, and we pray, Lord, God, let Jesus' attitudes and actions ex- be expressed through us. We are not just reading and studying and thinking uh, and praying to a mere man who, who died and, and, and is no more, like Muhammad or Moses or any of these other religious leaders. We are praying and studying and modeling our lives after a man who was more than just a man. And he proved it by rising from the grave. And so this week, as we uh, can uh, just think about this, I challenge each of us to think about, what do I believe? Is Jesus the Son of God or not? Because if he is, then the power of God will be released in our life. Let me leave you with a quote, and then we'll pray. J. Oswald Chambers says this, If Jesus is not God then there is no Christianity. And we who worship him are nothing more than idolaters. Idolaters of, because we're not worshiping whoever is the real God. Conversely, if he is God, those who say he was merely a good man or even the best of men are blasphemers. More serious still, if he is not God, then he, speaking of Jesus, is a blasphemer, blasphemer in the fullest sense of the word. If he is not God, then he's not even good a good thought. Stand with me. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Hebrews tells us that you've given him a name above every other name, a name better than the angels, a name better than any other man who's ever lived. And we, in that name, we pray. In that name, we, we have hope. In that name, we, we believe and look to for your power to be manifest in our life. And so we just come to you. We thank you that Jesus is more than a man. We thank you for his life and his resurrection. We thank you for what that means for us today and the hope that it gives us for restoration in our own lives. And we pray today that you, just as children of God, that you, your glory, your character would be more manifest in our life. Lord, that you begin to speak to us and show us how we can better reflect you to the people we interact with every day, whether it be our spouse or our children, our parents, grandparents, or people at work or neighbors. God, shine through us in the same way that you did through Jesus Christ. 
We thank you this morning for time in your presence. We thank you for the scriptures that have the power to save our souls. We pray bless us as we go and have lunch and hang out with one another and enjoy this beautiful day. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done, all the spiritual blessings you've poured out upon us. We look forward to a great week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that His truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.